Dr. Katrina Fury, a psychiatrist. And I'm Portia Pendleton, a licensed clinical social worker. And And this this is Analyze Scripts, a podcast where two shrinks analyze the depiction of mental health in movies and TV shows. Our hope is that you learn some legit info about mental Mm -hmm. health while feeling like you're chatting with your girlfriends. There is so much misinformation out there and it drives us nuts. And if someday we pay off our student loans or land a sponsorship, like with a lay flat airline or a major beauty brand, even better. So sit back, relax, grab some popcorn and your DSM-5 and enjoy. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Dr. Katrina Fury, a psychiatrist. And I'm Portia Pendleton, a licensed clinical social worker. And this is Analyze Scripts, a podcast where two shrinks analyze the depiction of mental health in movies and TV shows. Our hope is that you learn some legit info about mental Mm -hmm. health while feeling like you're chatting with your girlfriends. There is so much misinformation out there and it drives us nuts. And if someday we pay off our student loans or land a sponsorship, like with a lay flat airline or a major beauty brand, even better. So sit back, relax, grab some popcorn and your DSM-5 and enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Analyze Scripts. We are so excited to once again be joined by Dr. Jesse Gold today to talk about the second season of Showtime's hit show, Yellow Jackets. Um, thanks so much for coming back, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Um, I do have to say, this show is really messed up. Like, I feel like season one was a lot. And then, you know, we sort of watched it really quick to record mm-hmm. our first episode and then watched season two really quick. And I was like... 
I had to take some breaks, I'll be honest, along the way, because yeah. it got really intense really fast. Yeah. This season, I think it was like, like last season, they were like, this is a show about cannibals, but you mm-hmm. never like saw it. Mm-hmm. Right. This season, yeah, here it is. Like, they like danced around it in a way that was like fine last season. And this season, they were like, all right. Here you go. To this. And there are definitely parts where you're like, yeah, I can't watch it. Yes, I know. I told yeah. Portia when we were watching it, I had to, I stopped um, right around when Shauna was about to deliver the baby because I was so scared they were going to eat the baby. I was like, I can't, I can't watch that. And like, I think you actually had to tell me like, they don't. I, I looked saw, up the spoiler. <laughs> yeah, like they po- they post on their TikTok, right? Like the cast being like, we do not eat the baby. Like you can watch it like trigger, you know, I guess trigger non-warning. Um, and I was like, we do a lot of things, but that's where we draw the line, you know? Um, gosh. So, I mean, I think we have to get started since this was really early in the first episode, ECT, uh, and the depiction of ECT, right? Like you probably felt as good about that as I did, which is not very good. (laughs) You know, it is the first time I was disappointed with them. Yeah, right? You know, like last season, I was really excited about all of their mental health portrayals. And I thought they were really thoughtful and their trauma portrayals were really thoughtful. So I was like super excited for this season. Despite, like, I'm not like a <laughs> creepy show person. So it's not like surprising that that wouldn't be my genre of choice. But I really liked it for a lot of the reasons I was talking about mm-hmm. health-wise. And so watching that and seeing that so early on i was like oh no like this is taking such a wrong unnecessary turn and yeah i mean i think inherently if you came back from something catatonic right possible you got act right right the the actual treatment of choice for being like catatonic i think who has schizophrenia or some version of a psychotic right comes back catatonic it seems we have like a tiny 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 glimpse in that i was going to ask you i i I thought it was catatonia as well uh portia are you familiar with catatonia as much um how would you describe catatonia jesse to someone who doesn't know what that word means (laughs) they're different forms right like some people have hyperactive Mm -hmm. completely not moving speaking kind of like lottie like lottie looks like she had Mm -hmm. um it can be a reaction to a lot of things mm-hmm. like medication, like psychosis, like some medical issues inside internally, like a medical issue. Um, I haven't seen it a ton of times, but I have. So Portia, sometimes um, when you're catatonic, you know, pe- these people are usually like brought to the ER and people are either like they're not moving or eating or like they're like going to the bathroom on themselves. Like they literally can't move from here to five inches away or they're like, they're being really bizarre and bouncing off the walls and making weird noises and just such a drastic change in behavior really acutely, quickly, like for an unknown reason. And then eventually catatonia gets on the differential and you think like, let's give them a little Ativan. And so you'll give them like a push of IV Ativan, wait a couple, like only like two hours. And a lot of times they start to wake Mm. up. Then you give them another one if it's working. And that's one of the coolest things in psychiatry is you can see it work so fast. I feel like in 
mental health. That's so rare. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like ADD and stimulants you see work really quick, but this is so drastic. Like I remember one woman in the ICU wasn't eating for days, couldn't move, had something called waxy flexibility where if you put their arm up, it stays. They never bring it down. Um, or you can like position them in an odd position. They stay there. That's part of catatonia. That's one of like the telltale diagnostic signs. We give her the Ativan. A couple hours later, she's eating. It's wild. It's wild. wild. Anyway, so I do think um, Hmm. Lottie was catatonic. I think that's what they were going for. And even if they weren't, they did a good job. You know, as far as things you see in psychiatry, it's it's interesting, you know, but I have heard from the perspective of a patient who was catatonic Hmm. that they understood everything that was going on but couldn't speak or function. And so sometimes when people were like learning, like, from them because they had like certain symptoms, like there's this thing called echolalia where they mm-hmm. can repeat everything that you're saying. Um, that they heard, they knew, like they saw oh. that and didn't like that, but couldn't, like, you know, say anything. Which, so after wow. that, I, I've been like hesitant sometimes to like yeah. actually teach some of it, even though it's like rare and interesting. And like, again, mm. one of the few things you see really get better, which is really nice. Um, but I would assume. You know, if you've been, who knows how long she wasn't speaking and functioning in the wilderness. I know now she's trapped like that. Can you imagine? And so, and I would assume like her parents were already, you know, already like thought she was dead, but on top of it, we're like, oh gosh, she's been off meds for like two years. I know. And so, um, you know, I think ECT is a treatment of choice for catatonia. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, ECT is a very successful medication or like treatment. Super successful, which is unfortunate. um, Because I one flew over the cuckoo's nest, really. And I think, you know, that book and that movie and that portrayal have like really continued so much that even like, generationally people who have absolutely never read the book or seen mm, true know about it yeah in that movie like i don't know if parents told them or what because you know they didn't see some like old school jack nicholson movie right right but, like there's something where like you mentioned ect to people and like their face like that's yeah so concerned and they think it's the worst thing you can possibly tell them but it's by far one of our most successful treatments especially in situations like this but in like uh, acute suicidality and pregnancy. Right. Like postpartum like, psychosis. Wouldn't like imagine it's as good as it is. And, and that stigma that exists for a very long time, very much created by the media, to be honest, mm-hmm. uh, really has made it hard for us to sell it as a treatment, despite how successful it is. And so for this show, which is new, right, to bring it back into the fold and, and bring it back into the fold. So almost like quickly yeah flashes but the flashes you get look really right and yes it's not the ect like even in the what would that have been like the 90s right exactly it wouldn't have been like that so like some of the things from like uh what flew over the cuckoo's nest is like the technology was older anesthesia wasn't as good there's things where like you can tell that things have evolved for sure since then but even in the 90s, it didn't look like what they're showing. What they're showing looks like probably the equivalent of the fact that they still go clear with paddles. Yeah. In medical shows, like we use little like pads that are stick on. And mm-hmm. I know that ER doctors think that's ridiculous because they haven't, most of them never even saw it ever done like that. And so, mm-hmm. like, I feel like what they show for ECT is like that version, which right. is like, the OG, like mm-hmm. this is when ECT was discovered, right? Version, 
Also, like, when they say seethe... (laughs) (laughs) That's not what actually happens. The purpose is to induce a seizure in your brain, but it's, like, so minor. And the only way you really even know there's a seizure is, like, your your brain activity or your tone, like... You would never see someone actually sees. If you did, we probably messed up. Right. Right. Only like they test where to go based on just if your finger like moves when they get there. Like they know where different parts Mm. of your brain are. Hmm. They're targeting a specific part, right? Like they're, they're, you're never like lashing or, or thrashing around, rolling over like Lottie did. And it's also very rare these days to do bilateral ECT with the, on both sides of the head. Usually you start with unilateral. Um, and it's been so long since I did or saw ECT. I can't even remember which side you usually start with, but that's also, um, not super common to do bilateral. Sometimes you have to. And then when the one's not working as well, you add the other or you try the other and then you do bilateral. Right. Oh, really like barbaric bike guard, right? <laughs> like a bike guard. She has an aggressive actual seizure. As a viewer, you actually don't know what is going on because they don't say the name. They don't right. know what's going on anyway. So all you see is like this barbaric looking psychiatric treatment. And don't get me wrong, like we have screwed up mm. over and over mm-hmm. we were doing treatment wise. But again, like so did a lot of medicine that felt like bloodletting was a way to free yeah. spirits of stuff. Right. So like we're not the only specialty who tried very dangerous things on people. Right. Um, we have a reputation for that. And I think that has continued. And PCT has like basically been this sort of like, I don't know, representation of that in modern psychiatry. Right. No, it is so effective. And like, I don't know, I wish there was like more context to that, even though I know it was sort of like intentionally vague, but I wish there was more context to it. I wish it was more thoughtful. I mm-hmm. wish it was more updated. And more accurate. It was more accurate. And, you know, like with Lottie, they have a lot of potential to talk about like humane treatment. Of- I know. And we see such bad mental health treatment with Lottie this whole season. And that's like the only mental health right. treatment we see. Yeah. I mean, I think like I worry not to get too far ahead that like next season too, that like she's going to be inpatient. And- it's going to be awful. Let's show some good treatment. Yeah. Like that's struggling like this. You can go back to functioning and doing mm-hmm. your work and right. your life, but this is maybe what you need sometimes. Yeah. This is what inpatient can look like. And they have the opportunity to like demystify. Destigmatize. Like it's just so, so far from what I saw um, in my training in what actual ECT is, which can be so like quite literally life-saving for so many patients. And um, it's just such a shame um, to have such an, like yet another negative depiction of such a life-saving treatment. And of schizophrenia. I mean, yeah. like, she's going to go inpatient. One of the most interesting things in my graduate program was we, we had this, um, I don't know, because you guys both interfaced with Yale. Um, she was a lawyer, like, down in New Haven, and she's an author, and she has schizophrenia. It's called The Center Cannot Hold. Yes. 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 So that, um, she does a lot of talks about, like, her experience with, um, like, hallucinate, hallucinating, being on medication, not being on medication, mm-hmm. how powerful medication is 
and how you can really lead a, a wildly productive. I mean, mm-hmm. and, you know, she went to law school. She's a very well-known um, writer and, person. and lawyer. And that was just, I think, really helping too. I mean, the whole point is to destigmatize schizophrenia. So then we see Lottie here, you know, not doing a good job of that. Mm-hmm. And then we were just talking about like future season predictions with mm-hmm. maybe her being on inpatient unit and I know, probably not looking that. so good. Yeah. yeah. I do think, you know, as as much as I was disappointed with the depiction of ECT, I do think this season had some good moments that I thought very, uh, I guess, helpfully displayed the difference between hallucinations dissociation and like a dissociative fugue state, right? Like I feel like those things are challenging to wrap your head around, challenging to educate people about. And then I would imagine even more challenging depicting in an accurate way. Um, You know, so when we say hallucination, what we mean by that is when someone is seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, or smelling something that isn't actually there in reality. So what other people around them aren't experiencing. The most common hallucinations are auditory and visual. So things that you see or hear, although other senses can be affected too. Um, You know, when we say dissociation, what we mean by that is it's, um, you know, psychologically, when there's a separation of some aspects of cognitive mental functioning from your conscious awareness. So it's often a response to trauma. And it's like your mind's way of trying to protect yourself from and, and disconnect from an extreme psychological distress. Um, and then kind of even further than that is what we call a dissociative fugue state, which is another rare occurrence. I did see a couple of these in the ER in my training. And that's a temporary state where a person has amnesia for their personal autobiographical information and then travels to an unexpected place kind of out of nowhere. So these people kind of show up in your ER don't know who they are, don't know where they are, don't know why they're there. Um, and it takes a while to figure out what exactly is going on. And you don't often jump to like, oh, it's a fugue state. You know, you might think like, oh my God, is there something medical going on and things like that. But sometimes these these patients do end up creating a whole new identity. Um, so I thought like this show did demonstrate these different um, aspects of psychological functioning in response to trauma in a really like amazing way. You know, I was thinking of, you know, Shauna and Jackie, like those hallucinations early on. Lottie and her psychiatrist, which we'll get into, I'm sure, in a minute, um, with, you know, the dissociating. We see that a lot with Ty. Um, we see that with Shauna of kind of forgetting or dissociating about her baby being stillborn. And then the fugue we see, we see with Ty sleepwalking all the way to Ohio and hitchhiking to see Van. Um, so I don't know. What did you guys think about those different depictions? I mean, the dissociation one where Shauna is um, seeing Jackie, I feel like feels really, to me, like the most common potentially experience someone might have with like a loss even. You mean dissociating or hallucinating? Dissociating. So this is a great example of how confusing these different conditions can be, right? Because so Jackie was dead by that point, but she's she's talking to her. She's seeing her. Jackie's moving around. So I would call that, I guess, maybe a little of both. Okay. Um, but definitely visual auditory hallucinations that aren't actually happening. So if you're more dissociated, I mean, I'm just thinking of like a, a I guess no one's really typical, but like a typical trauma patient who has mm-hmm. dissociative features. Mm-hmm. Um, Usually I think of that. Then just seeing them, right? Like you so say you're like outside your body or maybe you're in another place, but you're not seeing another person then. 
Right, who then you would say isn't there. Right. So I think of dissociation as like, you know, having gaps in your memory for the traumatic event, um, forgetting certain things about it. Um, sometimes you, they do describe, you know, sort of like hovering above mm-hmm. and sort of witnessing it rather than experiencing it. I think what you might be describing is like maybe someone who's even something um, not as severe as trauma, like a like grief and you're walking around and you think you see the person yeah, and then you yeah, realize, yeah. oh, no, that's not really them. I mean, these are like so specific mm-hmm. um, and very hard <laughs> to know the difference. And they're all sort of in this spectrum of psychological responses that can feel like psychosis, but also are trauma. Yeah, exactly. There's a big overlap. All of them were interestingly done, I think, in mm-hmm. the, like different people's responses to extreme stress, if you want to call it that, on like sort of like the wimpy scale yeah just a ton of trauma um i don't know how most people would react and on top of it also they're starving yes right right i was interested in like like, the medical i think that part is also complicated Mm -hmm. if they're like are they hallucinating Mm -hmm. are they struggling because they add harding and And their brain's just not functioning well yes the mouse it's like you can Uh convince yourself that that's real because you can't tell the difference or um the coach it's like mm-hmm. very actively hallucinating, but they're sort mm-hmm. of like vivid dreams that mm-hmm. happen to be while he's awake because he's not really fully functioning mm-hmm. because he's like not eating. And right. so I think there's a lot of blurring. And I also think that they use that to the advantage of the show writing to mm-hmm. like put in the mysticism. Because right. It's like they don't know, like they're all sort of broken from reality in some capacity, some more than others mm-hmm. for other reasons. But like what is real and what is not is confusing. And I think that's also confusing for viewers and, and purpose. Yeah. Right. And I wonder, like you're saying, if that, how much of that was purposeful, because like, as we're seeing them all cope with and respond to trauma and try to survive, they're also telling the story through a lot of flashbacks and flash forwards. And so you kind of are also off kilter, which might just kind of be like in parallel to what you could imagine the characters are experiencing. I was thinking about just like, you know, I work with a lot of eating disorder patients, right? How like important eating and nourishment is glucose. <laughs> I mean, just what a, and obviously this is, you know, an, a pretty extreme example, but like our brains need nutrition so badly right. to perform well. To function. And even, yeah. you know, if you're not starving in the wilderness with no food for weeks, living on soup made with mushrooms. Herbs, I mean, like you, you can tell, and that's where body disturbance comes in. Mm-hmm. You know, people are have a really hard time judging their body and comparing it, and really do believe, you know, that they're in a larger body or a smaller body, et cetera. But I just thought, you know, what a what a just like a like little fun fact of mm-hmm. how much we need food and how it can really change our our experience with reality. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And also how some of the like dissociation can be protective, right? Like you, when you're like trying to survive in the winter in the woods with no idea if anyone's going to find you, it's probably protective to survival to be disconnected to some degree, Mm -hmm. right? Otherwise, like, God, what do you do? Right. The mouse seemed really important to her, you know, know. and just like a little creature who she's talking to. I mean, I was really shocked when When it was was dead. dead. Me too. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Like I thought, you know, of course it's alive. It's a small little creature. Did you wonder if she's going to eat it? I think she did. Did she eat it? Did she take a bite? Maybe I'm thinking about the ear. I See, I'm thinking I about the ear. looked at it and was like, no. Yeah. If I remember. Yeah. I'm thinking of the but ear. But I think it was hard enough to even like see uh, <laughs> the mouse situation change. But I think it's, I don't know, it's a cool storytelling technique to use to be like, mm. uh, 
what's real, what's not. Yeah. How do you know? And I think they use the same technique. I mean, with the baby situation, yes. you guys and the fans all were worried they ate the baby. Yeah. They have her basically hallucinate that people eat the baby and you yes. believe it for a while. Right. You thought it could be a possible outcome. The writers knew it could be what people think of a possible mm-hmm. outcome. And so they sort of like play on that. I don't know, like break from every, like no one knows mm-hmm. what's real and right. what's not. And I think as a viewer, it, it allows you to sort of like maybe get more in the headspace of what it would be like to be doing that. And mm-hmm. then I also think it like makes things hard to follow and you don't always trust the narrator, mm-hmm. which is also interesting from a storytelling yeah. perspective. And I also think the food thing, it's like dissociation, if you want to use that term, like being connected to your body that is not functioning and hungry and not eating. I understand like all of that's protective, like consciously dissociate. I mean, people who have had trauma sometimes can consciously dissociate as they get older because they learned it as Mm -hmm. a skill, but it, they might not even realize they're doing it. Like it's right. conscious, but they still don't even realize they're doing it. And so it's like an evolved coping skill to basically say like, my body's like not safe where my right. body is. Right. Let's take a vacation from that. Right, <laughs> like, right. It's like hard to picture, but it's it's a logical and important way. Yeah. And I think, too, this show is doing a nice job demonstrating how, like you were saying, Jesse, a lot of times when you're faced with trauma, let alone a chronic trauma that's not letting up, um, especially in your early years, like when you're a teenager or even younger, you develop these coping strategies like dissociation, not consciously or intentionally, but then how that can persist into adulthood. And we see that with Ty, I think, especially how when she's under the stress in season one of running for office, she's unconsciously reverting back to some of these coping strategies like eating the dirt or setting up the altar and things like that. And how we see in season two, as the stress keeps escalating, now she's maybe losing her family, hallucinated Sammy, it seems like before she got into that awful car accident where Simone got hurt, then we see the dissociative fugue coming. And I think, um, again, that's a, a pretty intense depiction, but also really accurate. Like I treat a lot of patients in adulthood who have a trauma history who find themselves dissociating or um, in that Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It can be as simple as when faced with 
some reminder of what you went through. Um, you all kind of feel like you're losing touch with your body. Sometimes I have patients describe it as like a zoom out or something. It can be as quote unquote mild as something like that, all the way to something as severe as like a fugue state. Um, and you're right. I think with the the way they're telling the story and how smart is this, you do start to doubt like, I found myself wondering, was Misty's friend Crystal real until she died? Mm-hmm. And so thinking about Lottie, you know, in the woods, but then also as an adult with her psychiatrist, I'm curious, Jesse, what your thoughts are about that whole depiction and the, um, you know. Yeah, the psychiatrist isn't real? Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, again, that sort of was like, whoa. I mean, it, it was interesting to me because I was like, why do I keep saying her psychiatrist is on vacation? Like, I thought that was the weirdest addition to the conversation because it was irrelevant. Like, I don't know. It's interesting because in a way, it's like she thinks she's asking for help and she wants to ask for help, but she's asking for help in like her world, not yes. the real world. But then like, her help asking in the real world is like this very dangerous mysticism. And I thought it was so like, before I realized the psychiatrist wasn't real, I like at first was like, I like this psychiatrist's office. Overall, I liked it. But then the psychiatrist said something like when Lottie is coming and basically asking for medication or to go up on her medications because the hallucinations are coming back. And again, patients with that awareness of their psychotic disorder or their bipolar disorder with psychotic features or what have you can realize that and will come and seek help. And I I think that's amazing when that happens. I was so disappointed when the fake psychiatrist said something to her like, well, maybe you should listen to your hallucinations. I was like, no, no. And then when we realized she wasn't real, I was like, oh, phew. Portia, I don't know. What did you when did you catch on? I did. I like didn't until now. <laughs> and not that she wasn't real. I, when the last time we see the psychiatrist, she like disappears right mm-hmm. from Lottie's home, our office, whatever it was. And so like I was like, oh, like that was a hallucination. But I thought that like that was the only time she that hallucinated was the only her. Time she hallucinated. But like the her. other time she went, yes. she actually went. Yes, and she was just getting like unhelpful, unhelpful help. help. Yeah, maybe. You know, oftentimes with psychosis, at least I learned in my training, and I think this tracks, if I sort of like reflect back, it's the auditory hallucinations that are the most common. And then I remember like visual hallucinations are more common with, like you said, like a medical issue or like alcohol withdrawal, um, UTI, like stuff like that. And it is more often like, you know, whispers or hearing a voice, but it, it might not even be that the voice is saying something that's really clear to understand, but it sounds threatening or scary or could be could be a command hallucination, you know, telling them to harm themselves in some way. Um, but yeah, the idea of like a, a a friend or this whole external person, I I haven't seen as much in real life. Well, I wanted to bring up yeah. just um, just your article for the slate. So, just thinking about trauma, and we we you know mentioned this like a couple minutes ago. Um, I think it's so important for people to know that if you're doing something like an EMDR or an ART trauma treatment, like you are opening the bag up, you are you know recalling really specific memories, you know. And I like how you said like you know you have to be prepared for that, and sometimes things get worse before they get better. And thinking about the characters on the show, it's like I don't their trauma is so was so chronic and like pervasive and and then continues um at post wilderness that 
you know, for for treatment for them, even thinking of Lottie, like they need to be in really, really safe, really good care, really and, safe and environment. have providers really know Skilled. what they're doing who can like hold them and and you know just thinking of all their dissociations as really really coping i mean like mm-hmm. I, I don't i don't know if it's safe for them to open the the trauma jar and and altogether kind of, especially i oh think we goodness. see what happens yeah. right yeah. how like the hunt happens yes. again yes you know near the end of the season and you can see shauna and misty like being so shocked that um, Ty and Van did not end up, or they called off Lottie getting taken at that point. And they, you know, they really started in the fear that right comes up for Shauna and Misty again with like Van and Ty allowing the hunt to happen. I don't know. I mean, I think just trauma. Oh, there's great trauma treatments now. And, you know, everyone should work on their trauma. Sure. But like, you have to be safe to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do need to be with a, a very skilled yeah. provider who knows what they're doing and yeah. knows how to handle when dissociative features might come up or when a panic attack might come up and help you sort of stay present and feel safe yes. is like the most yes. important thing. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important for people to know that like, if you seek out trauma therapy, you're not going to dive immediately into it too. And you don't, there's yeah. There's like this fear that like, mm-hmm. you're going to say, hi, nice to meet you. Tell me about that time in the wilderness when you're like, you know, right? right. We don't do that. Right. Like if you're trained in it, if you see the right kind of people, you get eased into it. You will have those conversations. That's why you chose to have that therapy. But the purpose is not just to like expose you, right. leave you and make you feel miserable. And so knowing that I think is important. Some forms of trauma therapy now like CPT, cognitive processing therapy, without the trauma narrative where you don't have to recall and detail the whole trauma narrative to do the therapy, um, how that's also been shown to be equally as effective as the version with the narrative. And I think that's really helpful for patients to hear because um, I think that that is a big uh, barrier to seeking it out is this fear that you're going to have to retell it and relive it over and over and over and over. And, and that yeah. isn't always the case. Yeah. There's a lot of fear in them telling their story, which you can tell even like probably one of the better scenes is like all of them as adults kind of like talking about how messed up their lives actually are mm-hmm. in like listening to music and dancing. and drinking. Yeah, around the fire. And it's like kind of fun, but you're also like, they're, they're just like telling each other how bad their lives <sighs> are, but they weren't, tell, they don't tell anybody else. They don't mm-hmm. trust anybody else. It's like a weird sort of like peer support system Mm -hmm. that's protected them for a long time, but has made them all really, really sick. Uh, right. And the only time they could connect in that way again is when they're like out in the wilderness around a fire, right. Which is so similar to the time they were stuck. Um, it just feels re traumatizing. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. And I I didn't like watching it. I mean, like the whole, the whole last episode I felt nervous oh, like of course when they started doing the stuff with the cards and then lottie's like the like russian roulette with the poison and i was just like oh no 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 yeah. but i did think it was amazing storytelling to have that going on in parallel to when they started doing that in the wilderness mm-hmm. and how you could see like again you think of like the coping skills you develop to survive in such a traumatic situation like that and how they're sort of bubbling up again now right. in adulthood. And Natalie is, you know, substance use, certainly a, a coping skill, a mm-hmm. way for her to kind of detach. And then, um, you know, just her her arc. I was sad, you know, to see spoiler her. Spoiler alert. Spoiler <laughs> alert. I was sad to see her go. I'm really excited about hoping that they tell the future too is this like sort of passing on of trauma to the next generation. Thing. Yes. With Callie. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. there's like something where she's known her mom is not okay for a very long time, but her mom won't talk to her about it. And you see in like her mom's interview with the cops and stuff that she didn't really think she should be a mom, like not really worthy of it, not really able to do it correctly. Mm-hmm. You grow up and you know, like there's something there when you get older and you're able to have more of a sense of things. And like, you know, they don't talk about it. The parents aren't talking about it. They disagree a lot or they're not mm-hmm. getting along well. You see that too. And then like, you know, she just wanted to view it in, mm-hmm. you know, like she's been waiting to be let into the story her whole life. And I feel like she's been defensive and protective of her mom in ways that like she wouldn't have been otherwise, but she's clearly been like traumatized from the whole thing too. I know. Even the stuff she like, she thinks of doing for the cop and all that stuff. It's all like manipulative Mm -hmm. and whatever, but it's like, I guess this is what we do. Right. Right. Yeah. And, um, Yeah, I mean, gosh, and I think a lot of people can probably relate to that, hopefully in a different way. But like when you yourself have grown up with some sort of trauma or something, like how how and when do you share that with your kids in a way that keeps them feeling safe, but also promotes connection rather than this uh, vibe that we don't talk about hard things? I have no idea. Um, But this show, I think, depicts that, like you're saying, in a really intense way. Um, Jesse, again, getting back to your article, what did you think about the depiction of Lottie's what seems like a cult, and yet it didn't seem like Lottie had like a nefarious intent, right? That I feel like a lot of cult leaders, there's usually a nefarious, selfish intent there. I mean, it's a cult. I mean, I took this article first late on that, and part of it was because I was like very curious about like what the draw for people with mental illness and trauma yes. is of cults. Yes. And there's a lot of draw in yes. the support and the understanding and the somebody listening to you. The acceptance. And the attempt at finding a solution, which I think happens for a lot of our patients and they turn to supplements and they turn to things that maybe feel quicker because somebody maybe gave them an answer. Or CBD. Or something. Yeah. Like, and there's not a lot of great treatment or fast treatment for some of this. And it's nice to think there mm-hmm. could be a, um, you know, I think there's some version of Lottie who it's like her purpose in her mind is to to like help the wounded souls of the mm-hmm. world without realizing that there's negative to what she's doing. And so right. that's a lack of insight. Some of I don't know how much is like purposefully right purposefully hurtful as much as it is what she believes is right. But what she believes is right is unfortunately not really right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So you kind of have to say like maybe the, her like insight into right and wrong, is not a hundred percent there. And so. And again, why would it be given what she went through? Right. Like, yeah. I mean, and given like that, she wants to like kill someone for the wilderness or give it blood. Like she doesn't, um, right. And if she were to die, who then takes care of her, right? Like who then leads her people? Her followers, was, you know, people. just like, so then they're all, if know, she drinks the cyanide, right, what happens? Right. Maybe it's Lisa, that that yeah. girl. Well, I don't know. It's just, you know, I think it's definitely the lack of insight and just not, it, I think she's ultimately like very, like it, that demonstrates to me selfishness because you're not thinking about all these people who you have you know, living in this commune taught to be here where they're kind of surrounding you and your ideas. It's like, well, if I'm gone, you're, you know, you're not thinking about them. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think I was comparing her this time to Keith Ranieri of the Nexium cult. I don't know if you 
watch The Vow. Um, but how they're, again, clearly it's a cult, right? They're not communicating with the outside world, even though they, they could, they all just choose not to, right? Um, they're all wearing purple. They're all doing sort of these woo-woo-y things. Right. She like holds on to the files, yeah, and like the yeah. info, right? So maybe there was, there was more to it than we saw about like what's she getting out of it. So being each other's family, like this is what works. And maybe that's, maybe that's enough for her. Like maybe that's what she gets out of it, that community and belonging and sense of importance. And then it's for her. Right. right? For her rather than for everyone else. I did think it was interesting, you know, as we start wrapping up the, way that the show and it seems like the characters maybe led by Lottie but then they all kind of accept it to some degree are keep talking about like the darkness within each of them and then the role of the wilderness or you know that mysticism role and it made me think of like is this how they're trying to like externalize in some way these dark parts of themselves that they ended up using or relying on to survive and I think we just sort of see that unfold, Mm -hmm. you know, as they grow into adulthood and as they all get back together and kind of redo another hunt at Lottie's um, psychotic urging, quite frankly, at that point, I think she's like fully psychotic. Mm -hmm. And they they all, I think it's just interesting. They all name it though, right? Yeah, they all have the same name. Misty and Shauna all decide pre-hunt that they are going to go along with Lottie and her you know, really psychotic ideas about one very of them dangerous. Dying. Yeah, very dangerous. And then, you know, I think it's so like, huh, why Ty and Van I was off? shocked. I mean, Van seems um terminal. She's a she's terminal a terminal illness. illness. So I you know, is that her way you said before of get, trying to be saved by Lottie? You know, because it seems like Lottie has like quote unquote saved Van in the past mm-hmm. or the wilderness has saved Van from all the times she should have died in the woods but didn't. And so I I was stumped as to why they would call off, um, you know, the emergency medical personnel to take Lottie into treatment or traditional psychiatric treatment. And that was the only thing I could really come up with was like, did Van think in some way Lottie could once again save her? I don't know. What do you think, Jesse, about all that? I don't know. Or I feel like Van thought she would be chosen to sacrifice herself for people. Mm. I don't know. Mm. Maybe that was too obvious, too. Like, just like she would be the one to go, but. And she was like, okay with it because she had a terminal illness or something. It felt like a chicken thing that they all failed at stopping. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. Like, this is going to stop. Someone's going to stop this. Right. And like, maybe they thought Lottie would because. It's hard to see, like, in what we know about the past, we don't know how much Lottie is involved in the... Like, they start that game, like, that game. Oh, I know. The hunt. hunting people with cards game. It's hard to know, like, how much of that is, as like, takes a life of its own and it's not actually Lottie's life. Like, mm-hmm. you know? And so maybe they were like, this isn't really what Lottie... Like, Lottie's going to be like, this is a bad idea. The woman mm-hmm. doesn't actually she said want that. to do yeah. this. Or, you yeah. know, I don't know. And so it felt like to me, like, either Van was, like, ready to self-sacrifice mm-hmm. or that, like, they were all playing a game of chicken that they were hoping someone would stop and nobody did. And it felt like that as kids a little bit too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Someone's not gonna kill Natalie, right? And then they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, phew, he fell in." Oh, oh my god, right? Super traumatic and very parallel to that 
moose or whatever. I the white yeah, moose. Yeah. Yes. I also wondered if that was real, that white moose or a hallucination. It's hard to know that if they thought it would actually go through. It's pretty clear Shauna didn't. Like, <laughs> She's like, oh, oh. She was like, what the? Like, seriously, are you really? Seriously, guys? Yeah. I mean, it was like, this is what's going on. And like, you know, turn around. And I don't know. Ugh. So. And Ben's like, refusal. I mean, like, and he, we talked about him really briefly before with his, um, like, hallucinations. Oh, he was not at first I thought, them. at first I thought that was a flash forward and he made it home and he was with his, his boyfriend yeah. and it was all beautiful. And then I was like, oh no. Yeah. That, so yeah. So the season ends with Natalie's death at Misty's hand. Yeah. Um, we didn't get into Misty and Elijah Wood, but I just loved that pairing and their little like Caligula dance mm-hmm. when she was in like the sensory deprivation tank. So just shout out yes. to that. Um, <laughs> but then we also see Ben burn down the house and it's still winter, right? Aren't you like terrified for like, oh no, what are they going to do now? You know, it's got to be worse than what we've already seen because mm-hmm. they survive. Um, so yeah, I'm just very nervous about this show. Yeah. And time-wise, I feel like someone has definitely figured it out on TikTok. Like, I want to know when season two ends, like, how far are they into the 19 months? Like, you know, is it, are they... Are we only, like, a third of the way in? You know, is the soon, like... It, there are things that in this, like, very meta yeah. like, writers, like, shout out to writers on right? right now. But, like, in this very meta, like, very awesome way of writing... Like the reason we don't know what's real or not is because they don't want us to because the people don't. And the reason they have not given us any time clues except for seasons changing is that's all they know, too. Yeah, that's a great point. And I appreciate that about this show, the way they're telling the story and how the way they tell the story is so mirroring, I think, like their own traumatic experiences. Like we're talking about like with the hallucinations, the dissociating, the difficulty figuring out what's reality, what's not. I think that is exactly where they all are. But I'm like so scared of how are they going to survive without shelter now? Oh, yeah, see, and this the the season you we had mentioned even last time is is going to be delayed, right? Season three because of the writer's strike, and I think prior. We knew, we said that last time. I don't know how we knew that if the writer strike was happening, but it's going to be a while. I think until I we think get, that's. A, I feel like I need it. a little. I need a a pause. <laughs> yeah, because it's so yeah, intense. You know, a bonus episode again. I yes, stay off the fan theories, but uh, the showrunner confirmed it. So they have some bonus episode for the season that like Jason Ritter's in that they mm-hmm. will like give at release some point, at some point given that their showrunners like very into the strike i think she rightfully so rightfully so anything out for like you know out of respect i also think they only got like one writer's room for season three or something before the strike so yeah i will get a break um but yeah these shows and the writing is just so astounding the and way that they get it right like so much content to talk about i mm-hmm. mean we feel what they feel right we feel anxious we feel joy and and i think that's just like that's because there's these amazing talented people working on all these shows and that's right. why we're talking about them right you know i mean i really i really hope like that young shauna gets some awards um, yeah that's one thing I've been thinking about. <laughs> Another thing I've been thinking about is like how hard it must be to like do that role. Both Don't but- we talk a lot about how like I hope there's a therapist on set for the actors for the for everyone who is part of this because like even per- like acting or pretending or assuming the role has got to be traumatic in its own way, right? I mean, it has. To be. <sighs> 
Right. Like to to be basically like, you know, you're like living wherever. Uh, I think it's filmed in Canada. And I think you're right. like taking the content in and embodying it. And some of that content is like, I mean, all of that content is horrible, right? Like mm-hmm. they're all, like, all disturbing, being traumatized and starving or whatever. But like the people who have these like really horrific storylines um, and need like extreme emotions, like Shauna goes through, like she beats the crap out a lot. Yeah. You know, like her emotions are very like dysregulated in a way that somebody's like actively experiencing trauma and years later experiencing trauma with yeah. experience and embodying that in such like a visceral way as like a, I don't know, she's in her twenties, right? Right. Uh, so like, you where can, can they pull that from? Sit in a part because you have sure. your own story, your family has their own story, whatever you could have never, ex- you know, gotten help for it before. And you're just doing the role and you need help later, but you just see that stuff in your life. This is hard enough to watch. Yeah. Uh, Definitely. Yeah. Like, you know, how many takes do they have to mm-hmm. do? Like, I, I don't know. I think that's just like really, really hard. Yeah. And I do hope that they realize that that's okay. Right. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for joining us once again as our Yellow Jackets correspondent in the field. <laughs> uh, we really appreciate it. <laughs> uh, can you tell everyone where they can find you? Sure. Um, at Dr. Jesse Gold. Um, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, or drjessiegold.com works too. Awesome. And you can find us at Analyze Scripts on Instagram and Analyze Scripts Podcast on TikTok. And we will see you next Monday. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. This podcast and its contents are a copyright of Analyze Scripts, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited. Unless you want to share it with your friends and rate, review, and subscribe. That's fine. All stories and characters discussed are fictional in nature. No identification with actual persons, living or deceased, places, buildings, or products is intended or should be inferred. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The podcast and its contents do not constitute professional, mental health, or medical advice. Listeners might consider consulting a mental health provider if they need assistance with any mental health problems or concerns. As always, please call 911 or go directly to your nearest emergency room for any psychiatric emergencies. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast and its contents are a copyright of analyzed scripts, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited. Unless you want to share it with your friends and rate, review, and subscribe, that's fine. All stories and characters discussed are fictional in nature. No identification with actual persons, living or deceased, places, buildings, or products is intended or should be inferred. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The podcast and its contents do not constitute professional, mental health, or medical advice. Listeners might consider consulting a mental health provider if they need assistance with any mental health problems or concerns. As always, please call 911 or go directly to your nearest emergency room for any psychiatric emergencies. Thanks for listening and see you next time.